Fred Film Radio, Festival dei Popoli, Florence, Italy. Fred Film Radio, I'm Laura Della Corte and today we are here with Jason Loftos for Eternal Spring in the category Doc Highlights at the Festival dei Popoli a Firenze. So how are you today? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, let's start with my uh, catch-up phrase, actually. When I saw the movie, uh, like at the beginning, there was this phrase when he said in China they'd kill a thousand people just to catch the right one. So can you comment this for us? Yeah, I think that speaks really... When he said that too in our interview, it really hit me. Uh, this is something that you know, communicates how the, the Communist Party that's ruling China looks at political issues or anything sensitive. It's not about the, the public welfare or the people. It's about con control, right? And so the human life may not even factor into that very heavily. And you can see that through what the individuals in this film suffered. They suffered greatly in their effort to speak up and to challenge the official narrative. So um, when the protagonist then talks about um, comics in China, uh, what is me the most was that he says that there are not superheroes, but only this sense of loyalty towards the family, towards friends, and it's something that we see also in uh, cinematography, Chinese cinematography. Yes. So... Uh, when at the end he talks about silent heroes yeah. in everyday life, yeah. it's beautiful because he's, he's showing a part of him that was um, some, ca some kind of kept inside about yeah. when, when he started to draw, to draw and he talks about Yu Fei and the, all the things he loves and yeah. um, that the, the father destroyed when he went away. So how was for you put all this kind of feelings of this kind of story of the protagonist mm. all, all together? Was it difficult? How did you start, you know, from some point and then got to another? I mean, tell yeah. us, how, how did you... Well, this is something that I noticed that struck me the same way that you're describing is, you know, Dashong is known because he's done Justice League of America and Star Wars and all these famous Western comics. And if you're going to be top in the comic space, those are the kinds of things you do. But that's not where his passion was. His, he was drawn to comics because of these Chinese comics. And the Chinese comics talk about real life heroes, people who were real historical figures who demonstrated these remarkable values. Right. And I thought that was an interesting thing. But I also found as we were exploring this story, because Because this story is something that Dashong begins with mixed feelings about. He's very sympathetic to the efforts to counter the government narrative, but he's one of these thousand who got caught up when they were trying to catch the people who were directly responsible. And so he suffered, and he's been separated from his home, and he's endured torture. And so he wonders, was this, you know, a bad idea? Was this a miscalculation? Because so many people suffered. So I... You know, I empathized with him and I, I felt from a storytelling perspective, it's really important to have these questions because the audience will wonder too, like, why did people do this? Was it worth it? How did they think about it? And so going on that journey with Dashong was really, um, it, it, was, it was something that really engaged with me emotionally as well. And I felt 
it was interesting as we continued to interview people and speak with Dashong as well, and he started to draw this story, he began to describe the individuals in the film more like those people who had resonated with him. Yes, they've suffered a lot, they endured a lot, but he started to understand something bigger that they were trying to do, right? It's like they understood that they personally could suffer a lot, but they also recognized if anyone is going to break through this monopoly of control of information and speak a simple word of truth, whoever did that was going to suffer. And they still felt it was important for the Chinese people at large. And so he started to see them in that light. And I just thought it was beautiful that we could capture that and show his journey. You know, there's a number of... I've been, I've been touched by other animated documentaries. I think animation can be very powerful in the art form. But I've never seen um, the artist on screen. You know, it's always just the animation is there and we don't know where it comes from. And so this was an opportunity to show the artistic process playing out on screen. And especially something that deeply affected someone where... You know, he's, he's carrying this longing for his home and the nostalgia, and he's carrying trauma, and he's processing all of that through his artistic process, through the creative process of drawing this, and, and we're bringing it to life with him in animation. And that, to me, was really enticing, because as a creator, I know that whenever I pour my heart into a work and I really think deeply about a story, I always grow through that process, and I never leave the process at the end the same as when I began. And so the ability to share that with an audience and to have them see it on screen, to see how the creative process can help us to gain a new understanding, to hopefully heal and gain some type of catharsis, that to me was something that I was really passionate about when we got into this film and, and we had this opportunity to work with Dachong. Yeah, from my small point of view, I can say that you did it perfectly, actually. So, and indeed, what you said is what I was thinking about um, when you tell all the story of the Falun Gong and the way that was banned in 1999, and the idea of using real images inside the animation story was kind of natural because. Uh, well, when at the beginning we, we saw this um, scene from up above of the man drawing and when he says about the city that he was born and that he, he, he was capable of drawing all the city only with his memory. So without being here, he constructed the entire city. For me, that was um, this sense of a love of attachment of mm -hmm. your roots and mm -hmm. at the same time the fact that you have some way to cut off from them because you, you need to um, be some kind far from something to understand it clear to understand it better to to have some kind of detachment from him mm -hmm. so um, I was wondering did, did you get the idea I mean to, to do a comic to relate it to the movie too. I don't know if there is something that we can find also <laughs> behind the movie. And um, I was thinking about another... I mean, I, I hope you, that movie will be seen like a major audience because uh, festivals are like some kind of, you know, only for... You the know, film industry yeah, people, yeah, yeah, in film industry people, so uh, they don't resonate as much as you know being streaming on something. So mm -hmm. I hope it might be standalone movie, for example. And uh, I was thinking that there is a change, mm -hmm. and you started that with your film too, with the movie, because there are 
some kind of new interest with, to the Asian culture that it mm -hmm. wasn't like that before. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about American-born Chinese. I don't know if you heard about this uh, graphic novel mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the fact that Disney has taken it to, to do a series. So, yeah, when you started to, to the idea to do Eternal Spring, um, I mean, did you know... Uh, the protagonist and he tell you the so he told you the story mm -hmm. or was like some kind of epiphany you had so mm -hmm. tell us this so I was actually making a kung fu video game a few years okay. ago yeah and so we were we wanted to feature a, like a visual novel component where you would make character choices and so we were looking for someone to do still art still illustrations right and um, we heard about this artist who was living in New York at the time originally from China named Dashong and he you know he was drawing for Justice League and Star Wars but he'd also worked with uh, Jin Yong who's the leading kung fu novelist in China so we thought it was a perfect fit because he had the cultural background with kung fu and you know Chinese culture and also this amazing artistic ability so we brought him up to our studio in Toronto and we were working together with him And then I learned that Dashong came from the same hometown as my wife and producing partner, Masha Loftus. But my wife, is she's not part of the Falun Gong community. She's uh, actually the daughter of a mid-level government official in China. So she had a very different experience in her home. And hearing what people had endured under her nose in her own city that she was not aware of, it really hit home for her. And she said, this is something that... Chinese people need to know. And for me, it's, it was a, a bit of a full circle moment for me because I, um, I came across Falun Gong first in 1998, before there was a crackdown in China. When I was in high school, I had an interest in Eastern philosophy and meditation, and so I encountered Falun Gong through that. At that time, there was no political controversy, nothing. It was just this, you know, it looked like a Chinese yoga to me. And I, and I came across it, and I had a very positive encounter. I felt this is something, you know, benign, good, positive, and the values seem, seem good. And then a year later, the Chinese authorities are saying these people are evil and dangerous and we need to get rid of them. And I just couldn't reconcile the two things, like my own encounters with the community and with the practice and comparing that to what the Chinese authorities were saying, uh, I just couldn't reconcile these two things. And so that planted a seed for me of concern for the human rights situation and a desire to learn more to understand how something like this could happen in China. You know, how could a group that was previously not just tolerated, but even endorsed and said this is something positive, all of a sudden overnight, they're, they're evil and dangerous. Like what brought this about, right? And so um, when we came across Dashong, it combined, you know, Masha's concern for, for this message to the Chinese people. You know, she came out of China not knowing that the Tiananmen Square massacre had happened, you know, and she's like top in her class from number one university in China, and she didn't even know about Tank Man. Like she comes, they completely censor all of this. So when she understood that this kind of thing could happen and people could be unaware of it, she really wanted to tell the Chinese people. And for me, I had this fascination with Falun Gong and the, and the plight and the, the, the state of being misunderstood and how that's related to the human rights abuses. And then we see Dashong drawing, you know, and he's carrying this story with him. And we see how his art could be used to bring this to life in a very unique way. So that was just our, our foray into this opportunity and this story. And so we started to speak with other people who were, he knew other people had, after he'd left China, he joined the Falun Gong community in New York. And then he meets a few other people who are also from Changchun. And then he talks to them and they know people who knew the people who were involved, right? And it just sort of goes from here. And then eventually we learn that there's one man who was directly involved in the hijacking who goes by Mr. White, who's living in Korea. And that really, for us, gave us the opportunity to fully tell this story because that brought the heist element. You know, only through him we're able to learn how they planned this, right? And all the, you know, in a heist story you need 
you need this you know eclectic band of underdogs who are going to pull off some impossible thing and we have all of that and then you also need a plan and everything has to not go as planned there needs to be all of the real life difficulties and the story was there it's a real life high story that's just written and so through mr white we could learn all of that but also through mr white we could bring dash on closer to these people that he's trying to understand Mr. White is this conduit to really understand why these people made this sacrifice and why they did what they did. So um, I'm glad to talk with you and I will spend my whole day too, but <laughs> I can. So thank you very much. We have been with Jazz and Leftus for Eternal Spring at Festival de Popoli a Firenze, category Doc Highlights. Thank you so much, Laura de la Corte, Fred Film Radio. Thank you. My pleasure. Fred Film Radio. 24-7 on fred.fm and smartphone apps.